Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Who Says No NBA Trade Podcast. The NBA trade deadline is right around the corner, so we're going to talk about one of the more perplexing teams in the NBA right now, and that's the Golden State Warriors. And if we're going to talk Warriors, there's nobody better to bring on than Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News, host of the Locked on Warriors podcast. You can find him on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Wes, how are you doing in this strange season? I'm as good as anybody can be at this point, uh, just just trying to cover the Warriors best I can from a distance. Yeah, so you, you're not traveling with the team, or are you going to home games? Like, what's the situation for a beat writer? I know for me, I, I'm allowed to stay home and kind of, you know, do everything remotely, but I don't know what it's like for someone who's who's a lot more involved with the team. Yeah, we're not traveling because there's just no additional access that you get. Even going to L.A., you know, a short trip to Staples Center, I wasn't, I wasn't at the game uh, Thursday night against the Clippers, but uh, the home games, I go to most of them, you know, I, there's no, re- I don't go to all of them sometimes, uh, just because there's no additional access to actually going to the games. It's this big ordeal of getting tested and you got to show up like four hours early for a game where you get no locker room access or, and, and you still have to do everything via zoom, just like you would at home. And so, yeah, you go to a few games here and there, show face with whoever it is that you could see. It's nice to see some of these games live, considering that so many people just can't get into this arena in the first place. So you try to take advantage of it that way. But uh, it's it's just sort of been on and off. You're just toggling between all those things. The good news is you've you, I have way more time on my hands to, to do stuff because I'm not hopping on planes and traveling across the country for six months out of the year. So, you know, trying to find the, the silver lining. Yeah, I think just like, you know, kind of every other profession, we're realizing that some of this stuff is kind of manageable to do remotely. You know, you don't have right. to be there for everything, which is, uh, you know, it's going to be weird when everything, well, knock on wood, hopefully, when everything goes back to normal eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the good news is you don't have to worry about uh, eating the pregame Warriors soup because you have some strong takes on soup. Do you care to share that That's with right. anyone? I'm always happy to uh, share my food takes. I there's no place for soup in my life. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't need it. The as you know, the Warriors pregame meal has uh, a few staples. One of which is always soup, and the other is a salad that is hit or miss. Sometimes the lettuce looks edible, and sometimes you just you need to stay away from that. Uh, on the nights where the lettuce looks edible, that's what I go for. I, I avoid soup at all costs. I heard one day. I I heard. Uh, my girlfriend was telling me about a story of a of, of a friend's boyfriend who I don't think this person is dating any longer. And I'm assuming it's because this person showed up to a restaurant in, in before times and ordered not one but two different kinds of soup at the meal. That's – you have to be a sociopath to order two soups in one sitting. That's ridiculous. Is that just a red flag? You're just like, all right, I need you, you have 9-1 dialed on your phone and you I just think, read it. I think they broke dialed. up in that moment. He was like, he's after the after the tomato soup, he ordered the lobster bisque, and she was like, "We're done here." That's crazy. All Uber home. At least, I mean, in his defense, a lobster bisque is a, it's a much heartier, richer. You know, it's got a protein in it. You could you could at least you know pass that off as kind of a, an entree. I guess, but if you if, if you and I are out to dinner and you order two soups, I'm never coming back onto your podcast. I'll tell you that. Well, that's good to know. I will make sure I steer clear of any soup if we're ever out to dinner again. Um, but, you know, another team that's raising some alarm bells, maybe not as much as two soups, but the the Golden State Warriors, they're 19 and 19 right now, 10th in the West. Uh, I, I guess they're trying to make the playoffs, but now they're also playing, 
looks like they're going to play Nico Mannion and Jordan, Jordan Poole a lot. Uh, Steph Curry screaming at people on the sidelines. James Wiseman's getting benched. This loss to the Clippers by 100 points. Let's let's just take the wide view here. You've been covering this team all year. Big picture, like what are the Warriors doing? That's a great question. And I think it's something that they're still trying to figure out. And a lot of people think that by playing James Wiseman big minutes, which he didn't last night because he was being punished for missing a coronavirus test. Think what you will of that decision. But the goal is for him to play big minutes down the stretch. You're, you're trying out this new backcourt, young backcourt, Nico Mannion, who's not only a rookie, but he's a rookie on a two-way contract. Jordan Poole, is, who has never been consistent at the NBA level. People think that they're just sort of throwing in the towel on this season. I would push back against that a little bit only because good luck doing that with Steph Curry and Draymond Green on the court. I, I just don't see the Warriors doing that. And I don't I honestly don't think they can afford to do that. They're a team that like prides themselves in their locker room culture and their winning mentality. Well, if you lose the playoffs or if you miss the playoffs two years in a row, you don't get to do that anymore. You don't get to have winning culture. You don't you it just doesn't it doesn't fly. Free agents aren't looking at you as a winning, you know, landing spot destination anymore. There's real consequences to just missing the playoffs. So tanking, I don't think, you know, as much as Charles Barkley said during the broadcast between the Clippers and the Warriors, they, that they should just tank. I, I, that's really not an option for them. I don't, I don't think that they can afford to do that. Uh, that said, the biggest question of the second half is the development of James Wiseman. Can you get something out of him and, and have him look like somebody who can play, you know, meaningful minutes for you next season? I don't think expecting a rookie to contribute – to winning this year is realistic, but maybe next year, if they could figure out what it is that his role should be, how it is that they could best utilize him, if he could sort of turn the corner defensively and not look so, uh, um, you know, overmatched and, and overwhelmed at times on that end, just natural development stuff that you need to see. But he he definitely needs to take a leap between now and the end of the second half of the season. Um, and the goal, I think, is still to try to make the playoffs and get Wiseman and, and the rest of this group some meaningful playoff experience so that they can go into next year uh, trying to be, you know, they think they, they could be title contenders next year. I think they have some moves that they need to make. I don't think just getting Clay Thompson back is enough, but there are certain, if they make the right moves and, and this front office executes well between now and next season, you know, there, there is a chance that they could be back into championship contention. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of what the message has been from day one, right? We want to develop the young guys or particularly Wiseman and also stay competitive. And that's a very difficult thing to do, particularly since rookies, you know, don't generally contribute to winning that much, but it seems like to me, at least correct me if you, you think I'm wrong, but like, uh, I feel like playing Mannion and pool isn't necessarily a, uh, a development thing. I think they've just, their bench has just been so bad and, you yeah. know, people are just, just sick of Brad Wanamaker and like if you don't play Wiseman who are you playing you know Kavon Looney it's just it seems like it's as much out of necessity and trying to win as it is a development 100 uh, percent I I do think that there's a certain amount of let's see what we got here because the March 25th deadline is only a couple of weeks away and so look Brad Wanamaker it didn't work out it, it hasn't worked out the Warriors I expect them to try to move off of Wanamaker in some way shape or form by March 25th so understanding that that didn't work out and you need a backup point guard right now. Let's see what Nico Manning can do. Let's see what Jordan Poole can do. And then you could sort of, uh, you know, reassess uh, the need at that position, which I still believe that there will be a need there, not just for this season, but mostly for next season. Uh, and so, 
yeah, I, I, it is a big part of the necessity, and this team lacks depth, right? Like, Kent Bazemore was a nice feel-good pickup. He's been good for them in moments. Um, you know, James Wiseman, you kind of need him to be a part of that second unit to fully gauge what that group can do, uh, and so they're going to work on that. But, you know, I, I still think, regardless, there, there's some serious depth issues here that that need addressing, and the Warriors are an interesting situation because they're $40 million over the cap. They're deep into the luxury tax Whatever flexibility that they have between now and the deadline is pretty much the same flexibility that they're going to have in the offseason, right? And so, to me, the offseason really kind of starts this month, right? When you start thinking about putting together a team for next year with a healthy Clay Thompson, it starts now. It doesn't start in the summer after the season or at the during the draft. It starts right now because you have this Minnesota pick. You have the Kelly Oubre expiring deal, which is— maybe your second best asset outside of the Minnesota pick. Uh, and you've got some other moving parts that you can move around, that, that you can deal with. And so, um, you know, Bob Myers has said this uh, openly, all the moves that they make are, there's going to be an eye toward next year, not only, you know, some stuff that they want to do to help out this year. So, um, you know, I, I think actually when you, when you, when you zoom out and you remove yourself from the wins and the losses in this particular season, I, it does feel pretty, clear what this team is trying to do make the playoffs this year because that's important uh and then set up your team to take a leap into title contention next season easier said than done but that's at least i think the mission statement right now right and so to your point i mean thank you for laying all that out it sounds like you've done this before you should go listen to wes's podcast it sounds like uh you you know how to lay out scenarios pretty well but so Obviously, everyone, when you're talking about the Warriors and, you know, trades, transactions, whatever, the first thing you think of is that Minnesota pick that they have mm-hmm. and James Wiseman. And I think, you know, the sexy move is to package that with whatever you need to Wiggins' contract and go out and get a superstar. Do you think that that making these kind of fringe moves, these, you know, rotation moves to kind of shore up some depth is that worthwhile or are you just spinning your wheels and should you just be concentrating on, on, you know, gathering as many assets as possible to make that, that big move to be a contender once Clay comes back? I think with Wiseman in this Minnesota pick, you already have the assets that you need to make that superstar move. Like that's a really good package for the right team. Like let's say the wizards did make Bradley Beal available and, and that would be the dream target for the warriors and everything that we're hearing out of Washington is that they don't want to trade Beal and that Beal doesn't want to move and he's not going to demand a trade, et cetera. But for hypothetical purposes, let's just say that's the move. Like you're offering the wizards, James Wiseman, who is young and promising, has a ton of potential and a Minnesota pick. They already have Denny Advia. They have Rui Hachimura. They've got some young pieces. You're kind of offering a team and by, and the Wizards are going to be bad again and have their own pick. So you're giving them also the Minnesota pick plus Wiseman. That's the makings of a big three, a big four, depending on how, what they feel of Denny and, and, and Rui Hachimura. Like that's you are offering a team two staples for a young core that they could build on. Right. And the Warriors are not in rebuild mode. And that's why this Wiseman thing has been so messy and kind of on and off as far as this development. But. That's a really good package, Wiseman and just the Minnesota pick, and then obviously whatever contracts you have to throw in. I just don't know what the other superstar that could shake loose would be. And it sounds like every day that Bradley Beal just isn't going to be that option. So I don't know what it is. Is it Zach Levine out of Chicago? I wouldn't give up Wiseman and the Minnesota pick for Zach Levine. I would give up maybe one of them. 
You know, I would give up the Minnesota pick for Zach Levine, but I don't know that that necessarily is superstar. He's an all-star, but I don't know if it qualifies so much as superstar. It's not a no-brainer the way that James Harden was for Brooklyn or Bradley Beal would be for any team that's trying to acquire him. So outside of that, I just, again, I don't, I don't know who the guy is. Right. And that's really what's been the issue here ever since Beal kind of, you know, signed his extension with the Wizards and made it, you know, we thought maybe when John Wall got traded, this is a signal that, you know, we're going to go in a different direction here. But really, it sounds like Beal is, just wants to stay put for whatever reason. And the Wizards have actually won a few games recently, which always helps. But mm-hmm. uh, him not being on the market has kind of put a, you know, a damper on all the trade talks because he's really the guy. And as you mentioned, uh, who are you looking at as a target? I mean, you mentioned Zach Levine. I think the, the Bulls would probably want to keep him at this point just because yeah. of the way he's played and, and what he, the, you know, the kind of the culture they're building there under Billy Donovan. So, uh, you know, I guess my question to you is, is if there's no superstar out there and, and you let's say the, the Wolves keep that pick, they, they land in the top three because they're so bad this year and it becomes 2022 unprotected. Let's say, you know, they keep Wiseman. They still have that pick uh, and, and they haven't done anything. Basically, they just get Clay Thompson back next year with more or less the same roster. Uh, is this a team that that can compete for a title or are they in the upper echelon of the West? Like, where do you put them if Clay, let's say Clay Thompson is 90% of what he was? Yeah, I, I don't see it because if you have Clay Thompson back, we're assuming, I, I guess, that you lose Kelly Oubre to free agency uh, just because he's going to be so expensive. And, and I don't know if you'd pay him that much of money to come off the bench. I don't know if you'd want to pay to come off the bench in the first place. You can go anywhere. It'll be unrestricted. Um, so, no, I don't think that team is good enough because – I think you're missing, and what we're seeing right now is you're missing a really key component to this team, and that is a guy who can create his own shot and shots for others, right? Kevin Draymond Durant Green, would be great, wouldn't he? Boy, Kevin Durant, uh, if they could get <laughs> their hands on him. <laughs> I think, let's see if he's available. It could be. You never know. The NBA. Uh, I don't even know. Brooklyn doesn't need him. They got James Harden. Uh, they win without him. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins for uh, Kevin Durant straight up, throw in a future future second. I mean, that's, those are the kind of trades that end up in my mentions, by the way. <laughs> so like, like Jordan Poole and Eric Paschal for Zach Levine. Who says no? Yeah, uh, let's do it. Plug, plug. That's um, the name of the podcast, people. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, th- this team needs that element because you've got Draymond Green, who is a, uh, he can create shots for others, but is not, you know, making his own shots, right? He's he's a shot, not he's a he's a playmaker, not a shot maker. Clay Thompson is a shot maker, not really a playmaker. Steph Curry is the only guy that they have who's both a shot maker and a playmaker. And we're seeing in today's NBA, you need, you kind of need two of those guys. And we're seeing that right now. Steph Curry is playing at a borderline MVP level. And because there's nobody else to help him out, the Warriors are the 22nd ranked offense in the league. And they're a fringe playoff team at best. Right now, as we're, we're sitting here talking, they're 10th in the Western Conference. It's just barely in the play-in tournament, Right. You need some help, and and Clay Thompson's not going to be enough to take to go from maybe iffy playoff team to all of a sudden title contender. It's just we don't know what he's going to look like. You you have to expect some sort of drop off defensively at the very least. Uh, so I think that they they definitely need some help. They need to be aggressive in making a big move. But I also think that there's some moves that they need to make in regards to the depth that we talked about on the margins, the the Sean Livingston hole. The Andre Iguodala hole are still very much empty and need to be filled. And I think that there's certain moves. And if I were them, it, because that superstar right now is not available, 
that's what I would be focusing on is just trying to find some depth, trying to find a bona fide sixth man and seventh man who can help you not only in the regular season, but who you trust in a playoff scenario. Because I, quite, I, I just don't know how many guys on this roster I trust in a playoff game in a game seven right now. It, I don't know that it's more than five or six, honestly. And so it would be going and finding more of those guys. So you mentioned Kelly Oubre, and you know he's had his ups and downs. Was just absolutely horrendous to start the season, but has played better recently. Uh, you mentioned that you know it, come free agency time, the Warriors might not you know want to pay what they have to pay to keep him. So is that the guy who you're looking to move here when you're talking about getting a you know a sixth, seventh, seventh man type of thing? Because they really don't have a whole lot of other attractive assets outside of the obviously the the Wiseman and pick, which are, they're not going to trade for a sixth or seventh man. Right. And so and that's a good point. Right. You're not trading even even just the Minnesota pick by itself. You're not trading that for, you know, Marcus Smart or something as good as a player like that is. You need to get uh, uh, equal, if not better value uh, for that kind of pick, which it would be unprotected in 2022. And, and you, just, you don't see those kind of assets out there and available right now. But, yeah, that it would be Ubre, I think, would probably be the most enticing asset. Uh, the, the issue with trading Kelly Ubre right now is what team is going to want Kelly Ubre? it's going to be a contending team because he's going to be an expiring contract no matter where he goes, right? And so a team that is acquiring Ubre is going to be acquiring him not necessarily for the long term because you don't – again, unrestricted, yes, you have his bird rights. You can give him a 20% raise. But, you know, that's it. He could, he's going to get out He's going to get out there and get paid, and he's going to try to find, you know, his long-term home somewhere in free agency. So if you're a team acquiring him, you're acquiring him understanding that he could leave, and you're doing so – for this next few months, for this the next half of the, the regular season and for this playoff run. Well, the Warriors want to make the playoffs, right? They're not going to try to make their competition in the Western Conference stronger. So just eliminate every team in the Western Conference as far as Kelly Oubre landing spots go. I just don't see it happening. Uh, because, I don't. again, if you're, if you're not a, a playoff team, why would you acquire Oubre? And if you are a playoff team, then you're not, the Warriors aren't going to trade you to them. So then you're looking at the Eastern Conference. I don't know what teams make that much sense for Kelly Oubre. Brooklyn has a need for that for him, but I don't. They don't have anything to trade for him. Well, they have one player in mind, and and we can get to him in a second. But uh, Miami could make some sense. But I, again, I don't like. What do you want if you're the Warriors? Do you want Kelly Olynyk, Myers Leonard? No. Do you want Andre Iguodala? As much as Warriors fans would love that, I I don't see Andre Iguodala replacing what they lost in Andre Iguodala, given that Andre Iguodala is now three years older. Uh, they need a younger version of that. I don't I don't really Milwaukee. You got you start going down the list of teams in the Eastern Conference, and I just don't exactly know um, where the fit is for for Kelly Oubre. So again, you 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 kind of say, all right, yeah, Kelly Oubre is their best asset. What can you get for him? And maybe there will be a deal that gets done that I'm overlooking right now, but um, it's it's just going to be it's going to be a little difficult because I don't know that there's that many suitors that want Kelly Oubre. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of like you've already explained so much about the kind of predicament the Warriors are in, right? They they have these assets to make a big move, but there's not necessarily uh, a big you know a player that they want with those gigantic assets. And uh, if they want to make a fringe move now, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room there. So is there a I mean, do you have any trades in mind that you think they could make that are that are reasonable and, and could happen before the deadline that could help, you know, kind of boost that rotation like you're talking about? Well, I mentioned the one player on Brooklyn if I'm tar- that I would be targeting if I were the Warriors would be Spencer Dinwiddie. And he's out for most of the season, if not all of the season. 
But he's under contract for next season and kind of gives you exactly what you need. He's a shot maker, playmaker who come off the bench, play good defense for you, high basketball IQ, uh, well-respected, loves Bitcoin and all these great things. Oh, uh, tech, which would, tech. Yeah, big tech guy would fit right in in Silicon Valley. And, and you don't have to worry about re-signing him. Obviously, there's questions about what he would look like coming back from the injury, and that's that's a legitimate concern and something that you would have to do your homework on if you're the Warriors front office. But if you could do something like Kelly Oubre for Spencer Dinwiddie and some picks where you're getting additional assets out of it and getting a guy who next season is probably a better fit than Oubre is and is really exactly what you need. It doesn't help you so much this year, but you're getting enough of a player who who would fit what, exactly what you need next year. And again, some if you can get some picks, that would sweeten the deal for them, that I think it would be worth it. I would I would look strongly at him. I mentioned that there's probably no teams in the Western Conference that would take Kelly Oubre, but we heard the rumors about Lonzo Ball for Kelly Oubre. Unfortunately, I think the Warriors, I I said earlier in the season, and I've always been on Team Oubre saying, hey, just wait, he's going to turn it around. Everybody's writing columns about trade Oubre right now. He's going to be writing columns about how, how great Kelly Oubre is, and I was right. But even back then when, when that rumor about Lonzo Ball for Kelly Oubre, swapping those two, I thought you should do it just because of the way Lonzo Ball fits the team next season, not necessarily what they need this season. Unfortunately, I think that ship has sailed because Lonzo Ball looks like a legit player from New Orleans right now. But what about Eric Bledsoe, the other guard for them? That would be something to me that I would explore, you know, if I were the Warriors. You go back to Chicago, Thaddeus Young, could you get some, can you get him for a young player like Kelly Oubre if Chicago thinks that they could bring, if they could re-sign Oubre? Uh, these are the kinds of guys that I'd be looking at. San Antonio could be interesting because they're obviously trying to make a youth movement. They could be a team that says, you know what, let's bring in let's bring in Ubre, sell him on the Spurs way because we probably couldn't sign him outright as a free agent because nobody signs in San Antonio these days. So you'd have to kind of convince him. Would you do that for Rudy Gay? I don't know. I think Kelly Ubre right now is a better player than Rudy Gay, but you would argue that you could probably re-sign Rudy Gay cheaper than you would bring than you would be able to bring back Ubre if you're the Warriors. So um, those would be the kind of moves that I'm looking at. Orlando and Evan Fournier. You know, that's another move. I just I don't know that they think that Ubre is better than Fournier and both of them are expiring contracts also. So I don't know if they would be motivated to make that kind of deal. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you mentioned Orlando and I was just looking up Aaron Gordon just to see if, if that mm. would work. Um, I know he's not necessarily the playmaker shot creator that you're talking about, but he is a, a versatile defender, a guy who can play multiple positions who I think might, might help there. But uh, you mentioned Dinwiddie. I, I love Dinwiddie. I think that's a really good call. Um, I, I would almost take him over, Lonzo Ball, if given the opportunity, just because yeah. uh, of that playmaking able to, ability to get his own shot, which is clearly something that Lonzo Ball, as you know, as improved as he's been over the last few years, is still not something that he's great at. He's more of a, a standstill three-point shooter and a and a facilitator, but um, uh, obviously a great defender too. But I think that that Dinwiddie would be good for them. But it, it's interesting that that you're pretty much all of the trades that you're mentioning are with next season in mind like uh, that you know obviously didn't get hurt but even the other guys Rudy Gay Thaddeus Young those are more fringe pieces that aren't necessarily going to push you over the top this season or take you from a 10th seed to a you know a sixth seed but they are guys who next year you know if and when Clay Thompson returns and is good and uh, the Warriors kind of figure their stuff out um, will be able to to make them at least a fringe contender in the west which is which is difficult. I mean, you look at the West, it's like, man, the Lakers aren't going anywhere. The Clippers aren't going anywhere. Phoenix is really good. Utah's the best team in the league. Denver's amazing. It's like, man, there's just whole, not a lot of wiggle room here for the Warriors. 
There's really not. And, and like I like you, if you're the Warriors, you could realistically have the best player on the floor any night. Now, I don't think Steph Curry is the best player in the league, but there he could realistically on any given night outplay Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or anybody else in the Western Conference, right? So you have something to begin with there, and everything starts and stops with Steph Curry. And, and when Klay Thompson is out there, they have such a great symbiotic relationship, and, and Draymond Green just makes things easier. That is a core that works. We know this. Uh, we know the kind of players, too, that work around that trio, right? You just need two-way players, guys who can handle the ball and pass. You don't necessarily need as much shooting as I think people believe. Uh, defensively, you need guys who can switch. That's really what you're talking about. And so, you know, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Kevon Looney, like these are guys that fit that system. They just they just don't have the depth, right? They just they, they lose these games in the second quarter and, and the early stages of the fourth quarter and the late stage of the third quarter when these guys are resting and stuff like that. And um, you just need to fill out the rest of this 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 bench. And they've had now two years of drafting and rebuilding and stuff. And I don't know how much they have to show for it, right? Like Eric Pascal is a nice player, but he's they they would they would move him for if they could upgrade at that spot. You know, Jordan Poole, who you took in the first round, we'll see what he looks like. We'll see what Nico Mannion looks like over the next couple of weeks. But they don't have that much to show for this rebuild. Damian Lee might be the best thing that they have. You know, promoting him from a two-way contract. Or I would trust Damian Lee in a playoff situation. I don't know if I would trust him to, you know, be in the game at the end of a game seven, but he could definitely eat some minutes for you in the in the first two rounds. But other than that, I just I don't I, like again, I don't know what they have to show for this rebuild other than maybe Damian Lee and James Wiseman and, and Eric Pascal, I suppose. So, um, you know, they need to they need to make some moves. I wouldn't I wouldn't take anybody off the trade block outside of, you know, Steph, the, the main guys, Steph Curry, Draymond and Clay. I just don't see them moving any of those guys. But everybody, everybody else to me would be would be available. Well, it's funny you mentioned Pascal because I, I feel like he's his trade value has been hurt this season if anything yeah. and he's kind of you know i don't want to say he's been exposed but he was kind of on a team that was just awful last year and played pretty well and now that he's trying to fit into more of a team concept i, I think you know you uh, you watch closely more closely than i do but it seems like he's struggled a little bit in terms of you know how he fits in he takes a lot of bad shots he's not a tremendous defender things like that so um like i guess it just goes to your point that they don't have a whole lot of assets and it's going to be difficult for them moving forward to make even, even these fringe deals that you're talking about, unless they move a guy like Ubre. But there's, there's a couple guys in the um, kind of in the NBA news right now who are available. So I'm just going to throw them your way and see if you think there's any chance they could end up in the Warriors. First, uh, you mentioned the Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge would actually uh, probably have to be a buyout situation. Uh, do you think that the, the Warriors would go for a guy like him? Probably not. Uh, I, I think they would be intrigued. He was exactly the kind of player that they wanted before James Wiseman, but now that you've sort of hitched your wagon to Wiseman, I don't know what you would do with Aldridge. You've already got Kevon Looney there. Um, yeah, I just I don't see the finances working out the way you would want. I've heard some Warriors fans propose, you know, Andrew Wiggins for Aldridge and picks. All right, well, now you've got if, – if you move – Wiggins and then Kelly Oubre leaves in free agency, then you've got a gaping hole at small forward and for what? For basically, you know, a guy who amounts to being a backup big man for you. It doesn't necessarily make sense. So I don't I don't see Aldridge. Uh, yeah, and an Aldridge has been really bad this year. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you've watched much Spurs, but he's he, I mean, he was essentially demoted to the bench before he kind of had this uh, 
injury slash, you know, you're not going to play for us anymore situation. So I'm not sure what he has left to offer. Um, again, I, I'm with you. I don't see it with the Warriors. What about uh, P.J. Tucker, who, you know, is essentially a culture guy, a hard worker, a defender, a guy who basically fits into any roster? Uh, is that someone you think it would be worth going after? I mean, maybe, right? Because he would at least be able to to get some minutes for you. And, and defensively, you wouldn't slip when Draymond Green is on the bench uh, as much as you are now. But again, I go back to what I was saying. This is why you can't afford, if you're the Warriors, they're in a tough situation because they won 15 games last year. They're a fringe playoff team this year. Like, P.J. Tucker is going to get bought out or traded, and he's going to end up going where he wants to go, right? And it's going to be one of these L.A. teams or Miami or some or, or something like that. The Warriors just aren't that team anymore, right? They're not the team that just call, that DeMarcus Cousins calls up and says, hey, I'll sign for, I'll sign with you for the minimum. They're just not that team anymore, right? The other teams have now be, ascended and become those teams. And so, yeah, even if they wanted P.J. Tucker, I don't think that they can get him. That's why they need to return to the playoffs this year so that they can sort of <laughs> reclaim their status as a destination for ring chasers. And right now they're just not that. And since you mentioned that, I am obligated to ask you, uh, yes. Draymond Green, a lot of talk about him uh, getting older. He's obviously having a tremendous season this year. Um, but would it be worth at least exploring to see if there's anything you can get for him, uh, if there's an ability to upgrade there, or is Draymond Green so important to this team and tied with Steph Curry that it's not even, it's a non-starter? I would never say never it w- it would just take a really tremendous player in return who you know is going to make multiple all-star games and and is going to end up who whose talent is such that it it more than makes up for the loss in chemistry that you're losing with Draymond Green uh i and i i don't know who that player is like if Philadelphia offered Ben Simmons for Draymond Green you would do that but there's no way in hell Daryl Morey would do that so uh, I, I don't see it happening. I, right. I, you know, like some uh, a, a trade that you know comes across my Twitter feed, Draymond Green for Aaron Gordon. Like Aaron Gordon's a nice player. He's just not quite to that level, right? You're just there's so many unknowns with Aaron Gordon where you know exactly what you're getting with Draymond Green. And I think there's value in that. And there's so, he's so perfectly suited to this team that mm-hmm. I guess that's always kind of been the question about Draymond. It's like what does he look like on another team? So. If yeah, and other he, front offices know yeah. that, right? They're not dumb. They understand that Draymond's greatest strength is that he knows Steph Curry so well. That's that's his biggest skill right now and at this point of his career. So, you know, that's not lost on other front offices. All right, and I'm going to duck after I say this, but, you know, Steph Curry hasn't signed an extension yet. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what if uh, next year they're in another, you know, they're, they're still mediocre and et cetera? Is it on the horizon, a, a Steph trade? Duck, get out of the way. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, I just said, there's who's the next superstar that comes available? There's not really that player available. I don't know. Maybe it's Steph. I, I'm ducking, too. It's not. I, I have no inclination that's going to be Steph. He'll resign. Um, his family has roots in the Bay Area. I, I don't see him moving. And even if he did, you know, for what? I, I, don't, I don't really know. Like, he's not going to go to one of the L.A. teams. He's not going to go to Brooklyn. Where I, I don't, what's, what's the contender in waiting that he could go to? I'll tell that, you who it is. Is it Miami? It's Charlotte. Yeah. I don't going know. Go, going home. They got a nice little thing working there with, with LaMelo and their, their younger guys. 
If, Wouldn't you have to get rid of LaMelo to get Steph? Oh, absolutely not. They should <laughs> Maybe what the Warriors should have done is put, put those guys together. <laughs> you could argue that that should have been the case, but... Uh, no, I, I, I'm not that worried about Steph Curry leaving. He he really does. You know, that, that part to him strikes me as authentic, him wanting to be with the Warriors. And, and them wanting, they're, they're going to give him whatever it takes. If it takes more than the maximum contract, if it takes, you know, a percentage ownership in the team or whatever it is, they'll do it if that's even illegal. I don't know. But uh, I, I, don't, a wink. I think I it's don't a wink, wink agreement. Right, right. You get it later. We'll set this yeah. money aside for you in a trust. Yeah. yeah. It was a Dirk, the Dirk Nowitzki. Like, hey, right. take a little less on this contract and we'll, we'll, don't worry. We'll take care of you, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, obviously, like, I think if it was, it would be a situation where, like, you know, God forbid, like, Clay gets hurt again or whatever. Like, it's just clear that the Warriors are not going to be able to ever get back to that championship level during Steph's career. I think that would be the only time where they'd kind of, yeah. it would have to be a mutual thing where they sit down and are like, look, you know, we got to rebuild. And, you know, that then if you're trading Steph, it's for, you know, picks, young players and an expiring contract where you're not looking to get like a superstar in return. You're just like, we're going to build around Wiseman or whatever that Minnesota pick ends up being and uh, and move forward that way. But again, yeah, that's, that, 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 you mentioned this before that they don't have that many assets and, and you're right. But weirdly, they do the assets that they do have are sort of tailor-made for only a superstar trade. And that's, to me, what's so interesting at where the Warriors are. Because if you were to trade the Minnesota pick for a fringe all-star, I don't know that that's the return on the value that you want. Uh, you don't, you're not going to move Wiseman at this point for anything short of you know, a similar type of player. Uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins, you're not going to be able to trade him for two players who are good or a player who's a better fit. You know, Andrew Wiggins, as nice as he's been for the Warriors this year, he's never going to be worth $29 million, $30 million, right? He's getting paid a max contract. He's going to be hard for the Warriors to move, even if he's not going to be as hard as it was for the Timberwolves to move him. Uh, but you're not, again, you're not trading him for equal value at this point. The only way you trade Wiggins is if he's salary filler in a superstar trade for somebody who makes more money or equal money to him. The only way that you're trading that Minnesota pick is for, you know, a generational type player. The only way that you trade Wiseman is for something in a package with that Minnesota pick is for a generational player. So they've kind of have this, they're kind of just sitting on this thing, right? They're sitting on this treasure chest. And the only way that they can use the treasure in the chest is for a generational talent who right now is not available. So everything else you're doing, you're just sort of waiting for that thing to happen because you're right. I they need to make a move, and I think they need to make another star move. They need to pair Steph Curry with his Anthony Davis, you know, with his Paul George. They don't have that right now on the roster, even when, and I would say, even when Klay Thompson comes back, because we don't know what it'll look like. But, uh, you know, other than that, you make little tweaks, you make little fringe trades. Maybe you can you can take turn Eric Paschal into somebody who fits a little bit better with what you need. You turn Kelly Oubre into somebody who fits a little bit better with what you need. I don't know, but it's just... Everything that they're doing is they're waiting on that next superstar to become available, and then they're going to push all their chips in and hope, and hope that Oklahoma City and New Orleans, and I guess uh, yeah, Oklahoma City and New Orleans don't take all these picks that they've acquired in their superstar trades and throw that into a package, and then the Warriors miss out on it. You know, so that's 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 kind of where the Warriors are at right now. And it's it's a dangerous game to play, and we've seen you know with teams like the Celtics with the asset exactly. collection, and you know yeah. obviously they ended up with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, so you know good that's excellent. But they they have all these other things that kind of just end up fizzling out into you know late first round picks or whatever it is. So right now the Minnesota pick is is really attractive, but if they wait 
and Minnesota ends up in the bottom three or the top three selections and they get that pick, it becomes unprotected in 2022. What if they get Cade Cunningham and next year Minnesota is actually pretty decent and that 2022 pick ends up mm-hmm. not being that great? What if James Wiseman, who at least now you can talk yourself into is a promising young talent, plays a little bit more and people watch him and realize, hey, you know, maybe this guy isn't that good. So I think, you know, it's a diminishing returns when you have these assets yeah. who, who could go one way. You know, Wiseman could end up being great and that pick could end up being top three or it could go the other way. And, and you're kind of in a, in a difficult spot. And like because, like you said, there, there really isn't that guy out there right now. But if you wait, your package might not be as attractive as those New Orleans and, and Oklahoma City, like you mentioned. Right. I mean, the Celtics, their pick was the Sacramento pick for years, right? They were, we got the Sacramento pick. We got, and then Sacramento had that weird good year where they almost finished at 500 and the pick ended up way lower than they thought. And they're like, ah, crap, it's not that it's not that valuable anymore. And they, you know, they toyed around with Paul George and they wanted Anthony Davis and they were holding out all these picks for Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis was like, I don't want to go there. I want to go to the Lakers. And then, you know, the whole package goes kaput. But, you know, there were talk, there was talks about them maybe using all that stuff to go get DeMarcus Cousins, remember? And and DeMarcus Cousins wasn't good enough. So I would throw this question to you. What who is the worst player that you would trade that asset package for? The Wiseman plus the Minnesota pick. Like what would be the worst player you would trade that package for? Man, that's tough. Cuz again, you have to look at who's available, like right? I mean, you can't Everybody's maybe, available. That's what I'm talking. I'm like who's the where's the line? Available? The, yeah, everybody's available. Where's the line of demarcation? Oh my goodness. Trying to think here. I'm just looking through the teams because you gotta maybe Brandon Not, Ingram. So okay, that's that's a that's a good thought exercise, you know, right? Like a like a all star, but not you know not someone who you think is gonna set the world on fire, but someone who you know can can fit in and and get you buckets, like you said, playmaking, uh, shot creation, and can obviously hold his own defensively, but is not that Bradley Beal level star. Right. So you've got Brandon Ingram, you know, um, yeah, that seems to me that's that's a pretty good line, right? Because anything lower than that, you're kind of talking about like De'Aaron Fox and, and players like that. You know, I don't know that that's like a Victor Oladipo is like out of the question. Like You wouldn't, you know, no, I would trade Kelly Oubre for Victor Oladipo. And that would be, that would be <laughs> the end of my and I would ask for picks back at this point. <laughs> like Kristaps Porzingis. You're high, you're high on Oubre, huh? I've always been high on Oubre. I've always been on high on, on, on you know machine gun Kelly. Yeah, he's a little um, chaotic for my taste, but that I like that. You know, yeah. uh, Chris Middleton, right? If everybody's yeah. available. Yeah, like, I got. I, I, yeah, he's better than Ingram, I think. So that's probably a better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably better than Ingram. Ingram has probably more upside, but uh, Chris Middleton right now is is better. Yeah, I don't. And even with Chris Middleton, Wiseman and the Minnesota pick. You know, right. it, you would right. have to at least you would have to have a real meeting about it and say, look, there is a chance here that we get in 10 years, we get screwed. But if it means making the most of Steph Curry's title window, is it worth it given the context? Right. right. That's a great point. And it's it's not necessarily that you're you're going to wait for the perfect trade because that was, a, you know, we mentioned the Celtics. That was the thing with them, right? They always wanted Anthony Davis and they were holding on to those assets. And then either he didn't want to go there or they didn't have the right package or whatever. And it just never ended up happening. So if you're the Warriors and you're waiting for Bradley Beal and you're waiting and waiting and waiting and that never happens, you know, maybe it's worth it to to 
trade that pick and Wiseman for something that you know is not the value that you want, but because it will make you competitive while Steph Curry is still in his prime, mm-hmm. it's worth doing it. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, Nikola Vucevic, guys like that, you know, the, these are the kinds of guys I think you would have to have that conversation. You would at least have to have a conversation about. You would probably try to just move the Minnesota pick and keep Wiseman. Maybe you do the Minnesota pick and Wiggins. You would start there. But you got to think about it from the other team's perspective. You know, why would they? Maybe they would do that. I just I don't think Milwaukee would do that. You know, maybe Orlando would do something like that. But, but you know. Well, they got they got a lot of thinking to do. Before I let you go, uh, you know, South Florida guy, what do you think of your Miami Heat? They're making some moves here. Yeah, you know, they're what fourth place in the East right now. They're on a little bit of a run. Uh, J- Jimmy Butler finally looks good. I watched the game uh, Thursday night. Their defense finally seems to be. Uh, on a string, playing the way way it played in the bubble, it feels like they're finally starting to to do something uh, as far as regaining the chemistry and that feel for what made them so dangerous in the playoffs. But uh, they still have a move to make, and, and that move would be finding the Jay Crowder replacement so that you could play Bam Adebayo at center more often. I think there's a lot of trade rumors about them maybe going after a center. They have their center on the roster. It's Bam. Their their most actualized lineup is with Bam playing the five. So go find the guy who who allows him to do that, who's a Jay Crowder type body, big strong guy who can you know shoot threes out of the corner. If they can go find that, I I this this before the deadline, I think they're as good as I think they've got as good as a chance as, as anybody at knocking off the Nets in the Eastern Conference. So to Sixers disrespect. <laughs> I think they're right there. You know, I think honestly, if they get that guy, if they get that that player who can play that small ball four, I think they're right there with the Sixers. And I think the Sixers have been are are awesome. I really do. But they've got Jimmy Butler, and the Sixers don't. And I know the Sixers have Joel Embiid, but the Heat have Bam Adebayo. I just and a lot more depth in my mind than than the Sixers do. So, you know, if they get that one player, they could be a tough matchup for them. Jimmy Butler is so good. I like I don't know if he's better this year. I'm just noticing it more. But like he just does everything he does in the court is good. It's amazing. I love players like him. I love watching players like him and Joel Embiid for this for that matter. Guys who just they're like, look, I hear your analytics. I hear all that stuff. And and I'm an analytics guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm a ball movement guy. I'm all that stuff. But there's just something so fun about watching a guy play basketball like he's playing football and just putting his shoulder and just just being so freaking physical that it takes other players and opponents off guard. They're like, Oh my God, I'm not used to this in today's NBA. Like you're, you're hitting me with your elbow and you're getting away with it. There's not, there's no fouls being called because you have this reputation of being a physical player. And, and so just everything's on the table and they, and they just take advantage of it. There's their, their size and their strength. There's something so thrilling about watching guys like Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid and other guys, Zion Williamson, who just play with, with strength and muscle. Like I said, they're the running game. Where, where the the NBA so much is just like the passing game, right? The Patrick Mahomes read and react offenses right now. It's there's there's something fun about just watching like, you know, a Ricky Williams style running back just go at it and dominate. Ricky Williams, wow. So for those of you who don't know, Wes Goldberg, what do you weigh? Uh, like 160 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, and you're just the biggest bully ball fan in the world. I absolutely love it. That's how I play. I'm just not as good at it. So <laughs> that's Wes Bully Ball Goldberg. Uh, read his stuff from the Mercury News. Listen to his podcast, Locked On Warriors, on Twitter again at WC Goldberg. Wes, thanks so much for coming on. This was fun, man. Thanks for having me.